welcome to this week's episode of The Rambler. I am your host, Mike McDonald. This is a great episode. It's a little bit of a longer one for those of you uh, who are <laughs> already used to an already long show. I get it. I get it. It's long. All right. But, you know, I like to delve into who these adoptees are as people and the work that they're doing, the amazing work that they're doing, because they are doing amazing work. And we have a great show for you today. My guest, my guest interviewee today is Julie Young of KoreanAmericanStory.org, where she runs a column called Heart and Soul, S-E-O-U-L, like Seoul, the capital of South Korea. Get it? Get it? And also the host of a video interview podcast thing called not your average which is awesome it's so awesome you should definitely go see it because she has great interviews there with awesome people awesome korean americans just fantastic speaking of which the korean american story gala is uh coming up on may 3rd i will be there i will also be there next week at the also known as 20th anniversary you can go to also known as.org for more information they have a splash that page where you can register uh, and you should definitely get on that because I think registration is closing very soon if it hasn't already. Also, next week, I will be taking a break from the AKA 20th to go to the 10th annual New York City Asian American Student Conference at the Kimmel Center in NYU. And that's going to be from 1140 to about 1240. But I was told you should get there early around 11.20 so that you can make sure to get a seat and hang out. It's going to be a panel. I'm going to be on a panel called Adapted Spaces, How Transnational Adoptees Are Making Their Place in the Asian American Narrative uh, with an all-star panel, including actress and producer Jenna Ushkowitz of Glee fame. She was on Glee, and she's also uh, one of the founding members of Kindred, which is an adoptee organization based out in L.A., I believe. Yeah, who else is going to be on this panel, are you asking? Well, other than myself and Jenna Ushkowitz, uh, I'm going to mess up these names really, really badly, so I apologize. Uh, Zhao Yi Jiang, a photographer and student at NYU. Nate Bay Koopel, a creator of the Transracial Korean Adoptee Nexus blog, and Lillian Hexter, uh, who will be moderating. She's a student at McAllister College in Minneapolis. Listen, this is going to be an awesome event, and uh, if you want to come meet me and hear all these great uh, people talk on this amazing panel about their experiences and the work that they're doing, then definitely come out. It's in the New York area, so check it out if you're around, and I look forward to meeting you there. But before we begin my interview with Julie Young, which is fantastic, to stick around for that, we have a uh, sort of returning guest, Amy Ginther, who is of Vocal Context fame, to promote her workshop that's happening in New York next week, this Saturday, this coming Saturday. So listen to this for more details about that before we get to our interview with Julie Young. All right. Amy Ginther. Hello. Back on the show. So nice to see you on the computer and hear your voice. You as well. I really love these fake introductions like we haven't been talking for the past five minutes. It's so new to see you. <laughs> yes, it is. You just got back from Korea. I was in Korea for two weeks. You were. How was that? It was It was good. Uh, I, I, it's very polluted these days with the yellow dust. Yeah, and it's yellow dust season. Um, and my eyes were burning, Ooh. but I managed to put a number of delicious foods into my word hole. For cheap. Um, for very cheap, and a lot of dakgalbi, a lot of uh, barbecue, mm. a lot of um, some chapche. I went to some really good lunchtime 
cafeteria style places, which oh, yeah? I never went to when I was living there. Oh, really? There. No, they're, they're good. They're cheap and amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're very convenient. I know. So <clears throat> I like the way you describe your mouth as a word hole. Yes. But that, it's, so the it specific is. context is that, you know, it's coming, the words are coming out of your mouth, <clears throat> which brings us to uh, the event that you're promoting. For vocal context, your company, right? That's how I operate. Uh, I'm. It's not actually through my own business. It's um part of my university research. Okay. And I am an assistant professor Mm -hmm. of the theater arts at University of California, Santa Cruz. Yeah, it's in beautiful California. Beautiful. It is. Oh, it is gorgeous. I hate you. All right, continue. Continue. So. I'm doing a workshop as part of my research as a professor with Omio Kim, who is an assistant professor at Boston College, also a Korean adoptee, transracial Korean adoptee. Mm-hmm. And we are doing a workshop on April 30th in New York City, in Manhattan. It's going to be, we haven't final finalized the times, but I believe it'll be 12 to about 5.30 and people can email me to sign up. And we're looking at a type of actor training mm-hmm. that deals with archetypes. Because that's what you do. I train actors, but I'm also an adoptee. And I'm also very interested to see how actor training can actually be used to allow space or give space to adoptees to process aspects of their identity, memories, um, things that they're feeling or have been going through mm-hmm. in a brave space, mm-hmm. that space that they feel comfortable in and they can explore those things. And it's it's a way that's really helped me a lot. And I feel like I've benefited from this type of work as a person, as an actor and an adoptee. And so Omeo and I are looking at how this work can be recontextualized to working with adoptees who aren't actors, who are not performing. I was going to ask you, so you and I are actors. Do you have to be an actor of theatrical experience to come and do your workshop? No, you definitely do not need to be. You do not need to have any performance experience. And we're not performing. This is not a workshop where at the end people will get up in front of people. It's very much group-based. No Mm -hmm. one is doing something by themselves in front of anyone. And so the work is coming from that, but it's more of a drama therapy type of context, type of situation. So this isn't going to be a group workshop? You're doing this on an individual level or, or no, it, it is, is going to be a group a group workshop? workshop. So they will have to sort of perform in front of, but in a comfortable space. No, there will be, there will be no performance. It's, it's about exercises and listening and working as a group, but no one is performing mm. for each other. What kind of exercises are we talking about here? Like lip trills, <laughs> red leather, yellow leather? No, we'll be doing a gentle uh, physical and vocal warm-up in the beginning. And, of course, that's based, that's geared towards people who don't have experience in acting. So mm-hmm. it's I work with a lot of non-actors. Uh, I worked with businesses and students and schools and all of these other types of scenarios. So it's not uh, it's not going to be geared towards actors. We'll do a little bit of a warm-up to get people feeling a little more comfortable and engaging with each other in the sense of a group. And Mm -hmm. then we're going to do two journeys, archetypal journeys. Ooh, tell me about these. Story. My pleasure. We have a a story, and we haven't decided exactly which ones we're using yet, but we have a good good idea. And the story 
I will speak the story, I will narrate it, and the participants listen to it in the space, and they move and voice and imagine things based on the story. Okay. And everyone's eyes are about half closed, so they're open enough so that they don't bump into people and they're safe, but they're, uh, they're closed enough so that you are focused on your own work, you're not able to really mm. look at other people or anything like that. And I so see. it's comfort. Non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. And you respond how you would like <clears throat> based on what the story prompts you to think about and, thinks you, and, and prompts you to do. And uh, again, it's a group setting, so no yeah. one's doing that off on their own. And then things come out of that. And we did a workshop of this in Seoul last year, uh, and um, we, we did it with about six adoptees, and we had some really great response from it, really great feedback, and we're excited to move the research forward and start working with adoptees in the U.S., mm-hmm. and we're also going to be doing one on May 15th in L.A., Ooh. but at the moment, we're, we're definitely focusing on getting some wonderful, brave participants for this one. And it's free. Uh, it's free, and people are free to leave at any time. They're, they're not uh, – once they commit, they can – if they decide it's not for them or whatever, that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. So there's no pressure, and there's no financial commitment in any way, so – Cool. Yeah. So they can just like come on in, do all the cool workshoppy stuff, meet you, wonderful mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I don't know how much of that selling. <laughs> and uh, Omeo is amazing. She has more of the background in terms of psychology. Yeah, let's hear about her. She's, she's incredible. We, we met through some mutual friends and we – have been working together on the proposal and and the theoretical background of this work. We're interested in the idea of archetypes and how they relate to adoptees' journeys. Mm-hmm. And and so so yeah, and she's she's fantastic. And I'm I'm very honored to be doing this project with her. And I feel that uh, yeah, we're we're very much on the same page in terms of creating space where people are comfortable and listened to and potentially empowered. Awesome. So she knows you? You guys have met? Oh, yeah. In person? Yeah, yeah. We've met in person. And she's comfortable working with you. <laughs> I hope your listeners know that that is a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Amy and I and love to rib each other. Yes. Oh, the um, their only specification is that it Uh-oh. needs to be uh, adults only. So No kids. Um, What's the minimum no age? Kids. Uh, I'll mean, I don't. I think the legal adult age is eighteen, right? Where you don't have to consent. Uh, as a yes. Although you yeah. can always get a parent waiver form for. No, no. Like, this is an adult people. research study, and okay. it needs to be adoptees of color. They don't have to be transracial. So, for example, if you had a black adoptee who was adopted into a black family, right? That, that's okay. But transracial adoptees and or adoptees of color, we know this work is valuable, uh, or I, I do, potentially valuable for people of all backgrounds, adopted, not adopted, whatever. Mm-hmm. But because when we do research, we have to look at specific parameters. Right. So at the moment, we're focusing on this population, but the work is going to continue, and we hope to, you know, and if, and there are uh, other, if anyone just wants to take the work, there are workshops going on this summer 
that people can do as actors as oh, well. Yeah? What if they're not actors, but they want to continue doing that kind of stuff? Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Are they going to fly out to LA to see you? What's the deal? Are you going to come back out? There is a workshop uh, for uh, a week long workshop of this work where I will also be teaching there. I am, by the way, also a certified master teacher of this work. I got my certification last year. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much a part of how this work is, uh, is being disseminated and how it's being adapted in different contexts. I teach it here at UC Santa Cruz. So I'm, I'm very familiar with, with the work itself. Great. Uh, so there's a week in July, if people are interested, at Virginia Commonwealth University. Ooh. We're going to be doing a week of the archetype work. Damn, they got a whole week in Virginia? You're only doing a day in New York? Well, I'm, I'm glad that you raised <laughs> that. I think it is a big commitment to, to do a week of anything, That's right? That's true, yeah. And we really want to give people a taster. We want to... We wanna, it's, it's even a lot to commit for, you know, a five-hour workshop on one day. So sure. We want people to see the potential mm-hmm. and hopefully down. I mean, I would love to host retreats where we do this for a yeah, week. That'd be uh, cool. I think that would be amazing, but we have to work up to that. All right. So this is kind of like you're getting, you're both feeling each other out, feeling like getting a little, t- giving a little taste and then seeing how much interest you can garner out of it and then potential for the future. Yeah. I think there's, there's some great things <clears throat> about a shorter session and what you get out of it. And then there's definitely some potential for benefits in um, in a longer term, or you know, mm-hmm. getting a group of people maybe they meet once a week for a series of weeks. I've done the work with actors where we've met over maybe seven or eight weeks, and we met once a week doing yeah doing the work. So so there's all different iterations, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and and I should stress that. If people are interested, they should sign up beforehand as opposed to just Where do they do that? They can email me, and we can include that on the on the thing. Where do, where do you put where do you put writing things? Uh, what, what do you mean? Like on a blog? On Twitter? Well, you, on Facebook? On your copy for uh, so it's uh, <laughs> right, like underneath on the. Use your words. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I think it was a page <laughs> where there's a little bit where you can put, you know, nothing about iTunes. I'm, I'm okay. Are you talking about the show notes for my show? Is that what you're saying? No. They can email me at a Ginther at UCSC.edu. That's a G I N as in Nancy T H E R at U C S C edu as in university of california santa cruz Santa Cruz, yes dot edu and I, I think i mean when you share this on things you can you can post i just thought there was a page where the the podcast was where you can write some copy somewhere well yes i mean there are show notes on itunes and and podbean which i think transfer over to different podcast apps i'm not i'm okay. not sure how the gremlins and the hamsters work together to make all of that happen in the background but it gets sure. up there well if it, if your li- listeners are are twitterers oh if yes they tweet they can shout me out at, at vocal context mhm and uh yeah i i mean they can get in touch with you right like that's easy yes they yeah. can 
and they all know my contact information by now. But if they don't, they can email me at theramblerADHD at gmail.com, tweet me at theramblerADHD, or visit my Facebook site at facebook.com slash theramblerADHD. Are you going to be putting your event up on Facebook on the Book we of will. Faces? We will. It's Yes, it will be up. And uh, yeah, emailing me is probably the best the best way. But uh, I'm floating around Facebook. I'm not too private. I'm not invisible. So you can even find me, Amy Ginther. Don't be an invisible Asian. No. And if you're an adoptee, we probably have mutual friends already. So it'll the suggestives will come up and yes, it'll make it easier to find you as Facebook does. Yeah. And I will post it. I will link it on uh, my my site as well on my Facebook site and yeah. tweet it. And yeah. aside from just doing this promo with the great vocal context. Yeah. Do you have any other questions? Like for you as someone who may be a perspective. Oh, oh, here's a question I have for you. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, how many the people are, are you looking at? capping it at is there a limit you know 300 people show up you are going to be like you wait outside or wait till i come back to new york or you come down to virginia or la we are looking for 10 to 12 participants that is not a lot of people no but when you factor in, i've done i've been doing workshops a long time <laughs> and when you factor in uh people's schedules and a commitment on a weekend and many things you know but 10, what i'm 10 saying is that if you want to get in on this you got to act quick. Yes, email me now. Pause pause whatever is left of this and and straight pause away. it. Email Amy or visit my Facebook page for details and then email Amy. And then listen to the rest of this show because I need you to do that as well. <laughs> because it's a great show. But in the meantime, I want to thank Amy Ginther for coming on to promo her workshops. It sounds like it's going to be awesome. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And there's more, you know, we talked about it a little in terms of what's going to happen that day and about the archetypes. I Oh, I should mention Uh-oh. what an archetype is because oh. we've been saying this many, many times and maybe people don't know. People don't archetypes, know? All right. Do you know? What do you think an archetype is? Uh, it's an archetype. Right. <laughs> what is your definition? I'm not going to give you the Merriam-Webster version that I could ask Siri for. An archetype is, in my view, uh-huh. a, a character essence or an outline of something that comes from myths and legends and, and across cultures. We've got, for example, the trickster. We have a trickster oh, yeah. in Shakespeare's Clowns. We have them in animals from indigenous cultures like the coyote or the rabbit or the spider. We have other archetypes like the crone, the lover, the warrior, the, uh, Lucifer, um, so, so all of these archetypes are, many of them are found in cultures that never had any or very little contact with each other, and yet mm-hmm. they still come out of stories. And what's really fantastic about the archetypes is that they're powerful essences. They're, none of them are, are innately disempowered, mm-hmm. and they're different from a stereotype. An archetype, as Nora Hall says, is a, an enabler. It's something that is expansive. Where a stereotype is a stricture, it's something that is smaller than any given person. And I found this work to be, for myself, particularly powerful because as a woman of color, as an adoptee, I've been stereotyped for a lot of my life. And archetypes are a way of expanding ourselves, Mm. potentially. 
as opposed to feeling stuck in a, in a stereotype. And so we're, we'll be exploring some of those archetypes on that day. And, and you, you learn a lot potentially about yourself in relation to those archetypes. Those stories get us thinking, get us moving, get us imagining and voicing. And, uh, and all of those things can potentially be really powerful. Fantastic. All right. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm really grateful. And I hope you do come just so I can see you. But uh, also, oh, gosh, that I feel like ethically I'm not supposed to I'm supposed to just say. That you hope I get a slot. I, I can't pressure anyone into coming. <laughs> but I. I'm but not I, feeling. <clears throat> I'm not feeling any pressure. Good. There is no so, pressure. Please. I hope people let us know. Please, if you are interested, do let us know <clears throat> as soon as possible because we do have limited space and uh yeah we're happy and excited to answer questions and to chat with people more about it and i should say the originators of the work janet b rogers and oh my god frankie armstrong both women they who started this work they have written a book again it's more geared towards actors but if people are interested they can check that out so frankie armstrong janet b rogers the the title of the book I'm going to look it up on Amazon right now because I, I don't want to – I want to get the exact title. This book lookup is brought to you by Audible, <laughs> audible.com. You can sign up using my promo code. I don't have a promo code. <laughs> and get a risk-free trial for 30 days. If you don't like the book you're listening to, you're guaranteed your money back. You can search for books such as – Acting and Singing with Archetypes. Acting and Singing with Archetypes is the title is of the book. The book. But I, with that, I want to remind people that this this workshop is not for actors. You do not need to be an actor. Or singers. Or a singer. You do not need to do any of that. To You just need to be an adult adoptee who is of color. Of color. Well, yes. lucky for me and you, we're all those things, even all though we don't things. have to be. <laughs> we don't, but yet. Yeah, yeah. Except for one of them. But the answer to that may surprise you. <laughs> Mike, it was good to see your face. Good to see you as well. I look forward to maybe seeing you later this month. Yes. And uh, we will be vocally contextual there. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks thanks for coming on. I look forward to having you on for a full interview, Amy. Oh, we're going to do for real, real soon. Oh, we we better. We better. I want to interview your cohort over there, too, at Boston. Wait, Omeo? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to speak to her about that. That's I'm not fine. her rep. Well, you can put in a good word. Help help a brother out, right? I'm happy to put in all the words. This is, this is a this is a quid pro quo for the promo. <laughs> I'll put in the words. All right. Well, it's good to see you. Good to see you too, Mike. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'm this is actually a very this is a great location. Your place is in a great location because whenever I hear Brooklyn I get very scared cuz really? yeah, yeah, cuz uh for us we live not upstate, but it's yeah. by the Tappan Zee. And so yeah. when people say, "Oh, come down to Brooklyn." I'm thinking like way inside of Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's it, where I used to be. It takes me like, yeah, it'll take me 2 hours of traffic sometimes, sometimes to get down there. Depends on where you're going.
going, yeah. Yeah, even from Manhattan sometimes. It's like if you're oh, coming from... Depending on where you're going, it can mm-hmm. really take... That was like my old neighborhood. That was part of why I couldn't take it. Like, getting home after I was out at night would take, like, way too long, and the Ubers would be, like, $50. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah no. You get the you surge pricing. And here, it's literally, like... It takes me... It's so easy to get home from here. It's, like, amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, well, it. you're right by the bridge. I mean, bridge. this is basically... Uh, people make fun of me because I've been in Brooklyn for so long, and, like... Um, <laughs> I, they, they'll say, Brooklynites will be like, you're basically in Manhattan. You're not really in Brooklyn anymore. Please. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> I know. I'm across awesome. the Brooklyn Bridge. That's this awesome. is it. Yeah. This, no, awesome. this is fan- I was like, because I was like, oh my God, I'm running so late. It's in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I looked on the map and it was like. Literally off the bridge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you could probably watch me drive up and around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've walked home from my kids' school. They go to school in Manhattan. I've walked home. Like over the bridge. Or yeah. yeah. I'm surprised to see there were a lot of people walking today. I was like, I would not be yeah, walking today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably tourists and they don't have other days to do it. <laughs> there's always, I mean, you can see, we can see like people up there. Yeah. And then from other views from our apartment, we can see the Manhattan Bridge too. So it's, oh, it's pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah. This is a beautiful place. Thank you. I'm jealous. I love it. Yeah. It's a little tight, but I don't really care. This is tight? Like we had a three bedroom, a three floor house before. And oh, like, I see. Oh, how are you going to, you know. I hated that three-floor house. Is it too much like, space? It was too much space, and it was um, unused space, and yeah. just when you have more space, just more crap kind of goes everywhere. It accumulates. Like, it's like crazy. Sure. So I never I never liked it. So I'm like happy to be in a cozy little space. Yeah. We're in a split home now, and it's like there's two living rooms. So we have like one living room where we actually like hang out, yeah. and for the longest time, the downstairs, like, I don't know, the downstairs living room or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. was just this empty room. It might yeah. as well have been a dance hall. I was like, I don't know <laughs> what to do with the space. turned it into like a bar or something. We, oh, God, I should have. Why did he, We should have been talking so long ago. I could have had a bar this whole time. <laughs> well, how long have you been in Brooklyn? You say you've been in Brooklyn a while. Um, yeah, I've been here a long time. <laughs> I came here immediately after college, mm-hmm. um, and I started law school, and I've been here ever since. Okay, how long? How long is that? I don't like to reveal my age. That's so okay. I, I see you. Give me a round area. <laughs> I will put it this way: I've been in Brooklyn more than half of my life. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. So yeah, that's yeah. fair. Is that? Yeah, that's true. And you're you're over your jet lag now. Maybe about half my life. Um, I think so. Just about? Today's like the first day that I feel like... How long, you, you just got back, I feel like. We got back, um, what's today, Saturday? Yeah. So we got back, I mean, literally like midnight Thursday, so a week ago Friday, really. Okay. And, um, because I was sick right away afterwards, mm-hmm. it was a mess, so I had a little harder time with, with adjusting back to... Yeah, well, you said the weather was not good leaving here. The weather wasn't good... When you got over to Korea, and then right. just when the weather in Korea was getting nice, you came back here, and it's, like, crappy yeah, out again. we left, like, 65 and sunny and beautiful in Korea and came back to this 40-degree, like, yeah. Air, so. <laughs> yeah, I can't really catch a break with that yet, but... Well, that's why you're sick. Ugh. I can't blame you. And then, yeah, jet lag on top of it? Yeah, I think that just made it worse. Yeah. And then, actually, you know what I was thinking is so interesting? When I was in Korea in 2004, which was the last time I went... Oh, yeah? also the first time I met my birth family. Mm-hmm. Um, re-met them. And uh, I got so sick when I came back. Oh, really? And it was so weird because on that trip here, on this time, I was already sick in Korea. I was sick for like the last week I was there. Uh-huh. And it, and, um, but the last time, the moment I got on the plane to come home, 
I got crazy sick. It oh, was no. so weird. I, and then I was sick for like a week after I got back. So I think there's also, there must be some sort of like physical <laughs> manifestation of like all the emotional stuff that I'm trying to keep like, you know, in Are you trying to like bottle it whatever, up? Right? And then I don't know. Oh, I think yeah. Like, I think maybe there's something to that. I, 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 I really do. I, I'm like... I was thinking about that this time because I was like, oh, God, I got really sick after 2004, too. And, oh, man. And, uh, but yeah, so anyway. Just I also got sick on my last trip to Korea. It was really? like really fevery. And then when I got back to the States, it was like even worse. Yeah. Had, it was like a week where, yeah, I had to. It was a combination of jet lag and then. Yeah, just, the jet lag makes it worse. It's but then so I, I just bad. feel like maybe for me, the, with the whatever emotional, you know, underlying emotional stuff and, and not even underlying, like, you know, apparent emotional <laughs> stuff, I think it all just comes to a head and just explodes and I get sick. <laughs> I don't know. Like, that's, yeah, that makes that's sense. That's my, my new theory after this. <laughs> <laughs> so your first time back was in 2004. Uh, Actually, no. I went back when I was 13. Oh, did you? My American mom took me. Okay. And um, we went on one of those homeland tours, sort of, with mm-hmm. other adoptive families. And um, <clears throat> and when, I, when we went, I was, you know, I was a tourist. Sure. I was like, I discovered club sandwiches there, and I literally <laughs> had club sandwiches with french fries, like, every day at the hotel, right? And In Korea. How pathetic, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was so, you know... A 13-year-old teenager wanting to be an all-American sure. girl. Right, and, yeah. um, and so I really felt like a tourist there that time. And mm-hmm. then, um, uh, you know, my mom and I had a great time. It was a great trip. But, um, and actually we found out, that's when I found out about my birth family. Like, unexpectedly found out about my birth family. Um, found out, like, all of their information. Found at out 13. I had siblings. Yeah, at 13. I had no even desire really at that time to find that stuff out it was a total surprise how did that information even come up so i mean my mom so my mom my american mom and of course i only say american and korean to specify for listeners um uh she did adoptions while i was growing up like Mm -hmm. she did adoptions for this company called the agency called love the children oh okay um, so she worked for love the children yes she was their caseworker and um uh, she did adoptions like my whole life. So I've always been around it. It's always been like in my life. It's always been a part of my life. I was like the poster child for her. I would speak on panels when I was younger. Like I would do oh, really? stuff. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I was like the perfect poster child at the time too. Mm-hmm. I was totally, you know, like just, I was good advertising, but back then, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but so when we went, my mom, you know, wanted to stop at Eastern and KSS and all the agencies because uh-huh. she knew a lot of the people who worked there sure, and, yeah. and whatever. So we went, um, <clears throat> to first we tried to go to star of the sea, which was the orphan dice supposedly was at, and you know, there's this whole fire story and whatever. Turns out oh, wait, no, hold on, wait, what's the fire story? Many people have gotten this story. Is that something burned down? Back, yeah. And you're like, um, I want to see if, you know, if there's any information about me. And they say, oh, sure. well, we lost all our records in a fire five oh, years Oh, yeah, that's ago, the story I exactly, got. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty common story. <laughs> so, I'm piecing this together now. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. A lot of people have gotten that story, unfortunately. Uh-huh. But, um, but in my case, it didn't really matter because that... I wasn't actually really there. My, um, I come to find out, I had been with my Korean family until the day I went to the airport to come here. Really? Yeah, which is crazy. That is crazy. Um, I have my mom, my Korean mom gave me pictures of us going to the airport, of me at the airport with my dad and my, my mom and my brother. Hmm. 
crazy. So you were never in an orphanage then? I was never in an orphanage. Really? Which I grew up believing I was. You yeah, know? of course. And um, so anyway, so I know I'm kind of going all over with this story. But no, so no, no. we stopped at um, KSS, and that was the agency that processed my adoption uh-huh. or the organization or whatever. And um, so there was a woman there. I was 13. I came here when I was three. There was a woman there, an elderly woman, who remembered me when I was there 10 years ago. And she only spoke Korean. So mm. she was very excited and animated and talking a lot and, like, giving us all this information. She's the one who told me my that I had siblings. She told me all their names, their birthdays. I mean, she gave me, like, in-depth wow. information. Um, and then, uh, but the man who was translating for her, uh-huh. he, like, you could tell she was saying, like, all of this stuff. And he right. kind of was giving, like, a third of it. You know? Sure, yeah. So <laughs> that's sort of, like, secretive, um, like... I don't know, or not even secretive, but shameful, like people not wanting to talk about the past or whatever, right, like, especially yeah. with men, I think, in Korea, mm. or just kind of... Where'd you get the translator from? <clears throat> well, there, the man who worked there, he was translating, so he um, he was doing the translating there, like mm-hmm. that day. Um, but had we had our own translator, we probably would have found out a lot more, you know, information. Right. Um, but so... We very unexpectedly got all this information about my family, uh-huh. and I think my mom and I both were sort of like, <laughs> like we didn't know what to do with it, you know. And um, I, so I held on to that information until I was um, graduated from college. Okay. And then I had a friend who I went to school with who went to Korea, and very unexpectedly met her birth parents when she went to Korea. Huh. And but it was one of these like. You know, her dad had to secretly tell her mom because they weren't together and her mom, nobody in her mom's life knew that she had had this child. It was like a very oh, secretive yeah, type yeah. of meeting. So she's never seen them since and, you know, that type of thing. But um, her, just hearing her story made me want to try and contact my family. I always knew I would want to someday, mm-hmm. but that was actually the impetus to make me do it. So I was super lucky because I all I had to do was um, I wrote a letter to KSS where that woman was that remembered me. Uh-huh. And I said, you know, this is all the information you gave me when I was there. This is my mom's name, her birthday. This was my name, my birthday. Um, if you know where she is, can you please give her this letter? When did you do this? This was right after college. Okay. And um, so this is like a decade later. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Decade later. And uh, like two weeks later, I had a letter back from my mom. Wow. It was crazy. That, that's really fast. That was really fast. I mean, and and what I found out was my mom and I, my American mom and I, when we were there, we were like, it kind of sounds like she could just pick up the phone and call your mom. Sure. Um, I didn't want that, but mm-hmm. um, but come to find out later, she actually did. The woman called <laughs> my mom, but my mom at the time, my umma was still sort of in a bad place and she didn't want to see me. And I hadn't mm-hmm. asked the woman to do that, so I don't know if I would have wanted to see her either. Right. But um, but she knew. All you wanted was the letter to be delivered. Yeah, this was no. I think I'm confusing you now. So when I was 13, right. I found out that the woman who remembered me, who was telling us all this information, uh-huh. actually called my Korean mom. Right. When I was 13. Okay. But didn't tell us, obviously. <laughs> I found this out from my Korean mom later. She's like, "Oh yeah, I knew you were oh, in Korea." Okay. I was like, "Oh, you did?" <laughs> you know, like I didn't know if she knew that we were there. But sure wow. enough, that woman at KSS had called her. And said, your daughter is here. Do you want to see her? I see. But my mom was still in a place that she wasn't comfortable with my Korean mom, with me seeing or knowing or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, I just thought that was interesting because I didn't know she called her. You know, I found that out. And your American mom was also unaware. 
totally unaware. Was she pretty supportive of you? My American mom is completely supportive of anything and everything having to do with me and my Korean family. And, uh, I mean, their family to her, too. And she, she, uh, um, so then, okay, so that was, uh, let's see. So I went back in 2004 Mm -hmm. and finally met my Korean family. It was the first Korean adoptee gathering there. Right. So I went to that the first week and then I, um, met them the second week. And, um, my American mom came to meet them. Okay. And that's awesome. Yeah. She, uh, I asked her to come and she, you know, I think this says a lot about her. She wasn't sure like what the right answer was. She kind of didn't know. And she, so she said that to me, she's like, I'm not really sure, you know? And I said, well, anytime I've imagined meeting my birth mom, I've always imagined you there. Mm. And she's like, okay, I'll go. So that, you know, that's like, uh, I may get emotional. Are you okay with that, Mike? No, absolutely. (laughs) It's always welcome. I'm a very emotional person. I don't have any tissues with me. (laughs) But actually, can I get tissues? Absolutely, yes. This this is more because I'm sick, though, not (laughs) because You don't have to lie for my (laughs) sake. (laughs) Well, okay, so let's go back. So you were born in Korea, Uh never in an orphanage. Mm -mm. Your family straight brought you to the agency. The day I was getting on the plane to go to America, yes. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that until... And you were adopted to... I was adopted to an Italian-Irish-American family. My father's Italian-American. My mom's Irish-American. Oh, I have the opposite. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. My oh. mom is very Italian, the Moriello's. Oh. And my father is... He's, I always thought I was Irish, but it turns out that's not really the case. We're just... We're McDonald's, but there's a lot of, like, German and Polish and uh-huh, a lot of other uh-huh, stuff uh-huh, in there. Uh-huh. You're a mixed breed. Exactly. <laughs> Your total, mixed breed. total mud. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, okay, so in and, and which area were they from? I grew up in a um, small town called Fairport, which is a suburb of Rochester, New York. Okay, so upstate. Very far upstate, yeah. Yeah, that is upstate. Like in between Syracuse and Buffalo. Yeah, that's why when people here say upstate, I'm like, no, that's not really upstate. I agree. <laughs> You're like I live by the Tappan Zee, and it's like, that's, that's not upstate. Not upstate. <laughs> There's a whole debate on Gothamist going on about this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I'm like, no, 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 no. Nyack is not upstate. Like, <laughs> Albany is upstate. Syracuse is upstate. Yeah, yeah, Syracuse is upstate, definitely. All right, so you grew up upstate. Up, way upstate. Way upstate by Canada. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Were you like the only minority there, or what what was the family situation like in the community situation up there? Well, my own family, I grew up in a family with six kids, and uh, four are biological to my parents. Mm -hmm. My youngest brother was also adopted from Korea, and, um, but we're not biologically related. Okay. I had my brother. Um, <clears throat> he's a lot younger than me, uh, and so there was never a lot of discussion between the two of us about anything about being adopted. Adoption related. Yeah. yeah. Um, Your mom didn't try to foster anything. Any no of those discussions. No, as much as my mom, you know, was very involved in all of this, the whole sort of awareness of the importance of psychological importance of like having kids. Um, talk about you know this this experience and mm-hmm. like um, their experiences growing up and having some cultural awareness and that stuff that none of that existed back then hmm. and in fact you know our parents did the best they could because the the social workers and psychologists told them you know assimilate like give them American names yeah you know treat them as if they're just like you you mm-hmm. know nowadays we know better and so parents kind of don't really have an excuse nowadays but uh um, and there's more resources and whatever. Right, but yeah. back then, it was totally like, nope, just assimilate them, completely assimilate Try them. Try to make them as yeah, white as possible. totally, totally. 
and we see how that <laughs> we, all, we all know how that went. But, um, but yeah, so, and then I went to, you know, we were in a very all-white um, suburb. Like, school was all-white, my swim mm-hmm. team was all-white, my church was all-white. Like, everything was basically all-white. Um, I mean, out of a class of 600 kids in my high school, there was a couple of black kids, maybe. That's a significant-sized population for Yeah, I guess so. For a, for a, yeah, it is. It's the only high school, though, like, for the... But, yeah, that's pretty big, right? Yeah, it's that's pretty, pretty big. big. Um, There's, like, no minorities, just a couple of black kids in It you. was, like, a couple of black kids in me, and then, like... Um, and I'm sorry to anyone else who was a person of color that I'm, like, totally forgetting. <laughs> and I don't want to offend anyone, but really, like, overall, it was, you know... And it still is. Majority, Mostly white. Very white. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, very typical, like, suburban, you know, situation. So are all your biological siblings older than you? No. So I am the... the, uh, Yeah, so I'm... There's three boys and three girls, Mm -hmm. and I'm the uh, second oldest, but I'm the oldest daughter, which I always say that because in a a predominantly sort of Italian-American family, I was like the second mom, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's very matriarchal. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, I helped a lot with... um, with everything, with my siblings, mm-hmm. with my younger siblings. Um, and then, interestingly, my Korean family, I'm the youngest of four. So oh, I'm yeah. a baby in that family, <laughs> which is a weird thing. It's like you grow up with this identity of being the older sister. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, and I always wanted older sisters, of course. And now I'm like the baby in this family. And I, I, it was funny because when I was just there now, um, I like I feel like the baby of the family, you know. Yeah. Like my yeah, my and I like it. I have to say, <laughs> I really like it. So I'm such a caretaker. So it's like it was. It's nice to be taken care. It's the of. the opposite. You're be being, like, are they? Yeah. They're not like. I, I don't want to say like, like they're doting on you or anything. but no, they're taking but, care of you. But I, you, I definitely feel like um, it's an interesting situation because my oldest sister. So my Korean family I have two older sisters and an older brother. Uh huh. My oldest sister. Um, took care of me basically my whole first three years of my life Mm. so she's really much more like my mother than my mother is Mm -hmm. and I really felt that and saw that on this trip like even though I've known that yeah I've known it I really really saw that well in what ways did that manifest itself um like on the trip or yeah on the trip um, well, I stayed with her, which was interesting. Okay. We stayed. I, w- I went with just my kids. and She, like, stayed. volunteered for you to stay there? Oh, yeah. They were always, like, come and, you know, come and stay. And um, so she... And she has one daughter who's my niece. Mm-hmm. And um, she... My umma came because she lives, like, two hours away from them. She came to stay with her the whole time I was there. Oh, Okay. But she's like a baby. Like, she's like another, you know, and my sister was complaining about it, too. She's like, I take care of everybody. Like, even Oma, she's like another baby, you know. And it's true. Like, she's feeding her, and she's, like, putting her coat on and putting her scarf on, you know. Oh, yeah. And she's just the sort of really the matriarch of the, of the family. And mm. she's been like that since she was really young. Yeah. I mean, she literally t- was telling me stories. She's like, I'm the one who carried you. I carried you on my back. I fed you. I did everything for you. Like, she totally took care of me. So did you guys bond over that about also you being the oldest sim, uh, sim, oldest daughter in the family too? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I um, I don't know. No, we really didn't. <laughs> that's not <laughs> something we bonded over. I think because um, it's hard. She doesn't speak any English, uh-huh. and, and you know I speak very very little Korean. I've I guarantee your Korean's better than to, mine. No, I've literally just been trying to teach myself in the past like year and a half. Mm. So. 
I thought I learned a lot, and then you go over there and you're like, it's oh, a nightmare. I don't know anything. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, so yeah, no, that part of it. I think I really just, I like being the baby. I like her, like being like you know maternal towards mm-hmm. me, whatever. So, no, we didn't bond over that, like being the oldest. <laughs> Um, but that's interesting because we are we 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 both have that in common. That's for sure. Yeah, you got that dual identity. Yeah, Did you have similar yeah. feelings though, like when you, about the way you were the oldest daughter in your family growing up, that you had to take care of all your younger siblings? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's part of why I you know love being the baby of this family. Like, <laughs> it's such a different, it's a you know, like yeah, it's such a different position. Yeah. Um, to be in, so yeah. But then at the same time, I also felt bad, you know, just um, because I am who I am. And I felt bad, like, that my sister was doing so much for us, you know. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't, like, let me wash a dish. Like, every time I would try and, you know, watch, she'd be like, ah, go away. Like, don't do that, That's how it is. I know, but it's, like, not something I'm used to. uh, Well, I don't know. In in that way, I feel like uh, Koreans and Italians are very similar, right? They're very proud. Like, no, 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 I can handle it. I can handle it. You go relax or whatever I got this hmm. I don't know my family that like do the damn no <laughs> <laughs> I was off about no, that but I, <laughs> but I hear what you're saying though but yeah no no there's a lot of like you know she's the baby she's the guest she's the mm. whatever like she didn't want me to do anything yeah so my mom I don't know if it was a uh you go relaxing more than a get the hell out of my kitchen thing. <laughs> yeah, actually, there is that. I have that sometimes. I'll just be like, just get away. Just yeah, exactly. Me. So, yeah, yeah. You're I doing get it that. wrong. Just I get, yeah, I leave totally it alone. Get that. I totally get that. <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. Was your American mom the same way? She was just like, no, 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 no. You get out. Or was she like, come help me? Mm, I helped a lot. So, I think she's more like that now than she was when we oh, were yeah? growing up. Just because she had like two full-time careers, six kids and whatever. So I think sure. you know, any help, she she would take any help. But now, sometimes, yeah, she's like that. She'll just be like, no. And what about your dad? What did your dad do when you were growing up? Uh, my dad, so he, you know, like a typical corporate job type of thing. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's... it's uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I feel like he a lot of people for, don't really know what their dads do. I mean, do. <laughs> he worked for, he, you know, business. Like, he was a businessman. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he, my parents are divorced now. Okay. Interesting, there's so many similarities between my Korean family and my American family. When my, um, after my mom sent me here when I was three, mm-hmm. she divorced my dad. Which oh, really? Was unheard of back then for a yeah, woman yeah. to divorce her husband. But she basically divorced him, like, right after she sent me here. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so both sets of my parents are divorced, which I find to be very interesting. And then there's just a lot of similarities between both of my moms. It's just, it's very interesting. And like, personality or just yeah. life experiences or a bit of both? Personality, life experiences, yeah. Actually, I just learned on this trip that um, my Korean mom's father died when she was very young. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm pretty sure she said baby, but I could be making that up. Mm. Um, and my American mom's dad died when she was a baby too. Wow. So, and that it's just it's like I feel like I keep learning all these. Um, so it's interesting how that. Yeah, it's kind of eerie. Happened. Yeah, it's very interesting to me. Yeah. Well, what was the cause of was the cause of the divorce? You think that that she with my Korean you, parents? Right. No, no. He was apparently um, a difficult unhappy man mm-hmm. and he was abusive and he mm. couldn't keep a job and you know um stuff like that so um 
Well, good for her then to yeah, be I like, know. I know. It's I'm out. Amazing. It's yeah, that, amazing. that takes a lot of strength, I feel yeah. like, especially yeah. in a society that like totally that back did then. Not, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's even awesome. now, it's not sure. like, common for Korean women to leave their husbands. Yeah, yeah. So back then, for her to do it is. That takes a lot of strength. Yeah. yeah. Good for her. Yeah. So, so you got a biological mom in the last year. That must be where you get it from. <laughs> I guess. Do I have it? I, guess. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what, so you graduated high school up near Rochester. Did you decide you're going to come down to the big city then, or what? No, I always, I couldn't wait to get out of Fairport. <laughs> <laughs> Typical suburbs kid, they're like I'm getting out of here. I could not wait to get out, <laughs> and I knew I wanted to be in a big city. And initially, when I was applying to schools, um, I was considering Boston, and um, mm-hmm. got into a couple schools there, but or one school, I can't remember. Um, but my heart always, I always really knew I wanted to be in New York. And um, did you come visit a lot? My mom brought me a couple of times, um, so I had been a few times before before college started. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, ran out of there like as fast as I could, <laughs> and um, and yeah, have been here ever since. What college did you end up going to? I went to Fordham. Fordham, that's a good school. You, woohoo! Yeah, it's much harder to get into now than back then. Like I probably wouldn't get in now. You think so? It's like super hard to get into now. I hear. Oh, I don't know. I I didn't even (laughs) try to apply to Fordham. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. People tell me how hard it is to get into now. I don't even know. Like a. The SAT structure is way different now than even when I took it. I'm sure the college admission structure has changed. Yeah. Um. I feel like the, even since I went to college 10 years ago, it feels like the prices of tuition have oh soared, God. like it's out of control. Oh, so I don't know how kids are paying for it. It's completely Or if there's even a plan to pay for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's crazy. I, I You know, um, once in a while my husband is like, no, nah, they don't have to go to college. <laughs> of course, I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And uh, But then, you know, people will point out like Bill Gates and other like complete... Oh, well, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, didn't end finish college, but um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yeah, unless they're going to be like coding really geniuses. About that, I don't think. <laughs> you, it sounds like my, you hope. My husband who has like two master's degrees, and I like had to stop him from getting you know, another PhD. one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't think it really means that. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So yeah, came here for college and stayed. And I, lo- I mean, I love the city. I've been here for so long. Mm-hmm. I've now been here for, you know, more than half my life. And um, I love it. And so your first trip back to Korea was when you were 13. And all that yeah. craziness happened. Yeah. And then the next trip was in 2004. Right. Uh, wait, you went to law school, right? Yep. <laughs> and I'm serious. So that's before Korea. Yep. After college. Where'd you go to law school? I went to Cardozo Law School. Where's that? It's in the city. Okay. It's what? The, their claim to fame is, um, uh, you might be too young for this, um, <laughs> the O.J. Simpson trial. No, I'm not too young for that. <laughs> no, no, no. I remember the O.J. trial. <laughs> but um, And even if I, I didn't, it's on TV now uh, okay. again. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? It's been, I've seen like, Yeah, it's some American crime story. It's supposed to be very it? good. Oh, okay. I don't know if I want to relive that again. I'm still yeah. not, like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> that hope that anyway it's so crazy but uh one of the defense guys Barry Shack was from our school and he like <laughs> that was the, the school on the map yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's in the city wow yeah so what drew you to law mm. well, what did you study in your undergrad let me just say kids don't go to law school 
Um, you know what? It's funny because, uh, you know, I initially wanted to be one of these very activist, like, save the world type of lawyer people. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's why I went. Like an um, environmental lawyer? No, no, no. Like racial justice policies oh, okay. or like, sure. you know, women's and children's rights and that type of thing. Um, and so that's initially why I went. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, you know, it's funny because when I was growing up, <laughs> there was a short period of time where I wanted to be an actress. <laughs> Thank God that was... I think everybody I goes through that. I was very young. I was really, really young. Do you think everybody goes through that? I think people, like, there's a stage where everybody, like, you know, girls go to, like, dance class and stuff like that or acting. Guys do the same thing as, like, acting. And then uh, they want to be... Yeah, for a short time, or, like, a comedian or something having to do with the stage, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> but anyway, so that went away, thankfully, um... And then there was a time when I wanted to be a psychologist. I actually majored in psychology at Fordham. Wow. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so that kind of, you know, that still really interests me. All that stuff really interests me. Mm-hmm. But I kind of uh, kind of came to this conclusion that, um, you know, I couldn't go to medical school because I'm not really very good at math and science. <laughs> Although I would love if I was a doctor now, um, <laughs> which is pretty ironic. But uh so I just was like, you know what? Law school's got to be it. Like, what else What else am I going to, you know? It was in your mind, like, those are the choices? I want to be, be, you know, someone who can make change in the world. Uh-huh. And I think this is the easiest way to do it. It's three years, like, you know. So, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, it's funny because I, I always say I don't, I wouldn't go again um, if I had to do it over. Would you go back and be a psychologist then? <laughs> no. Oh, I would totally, no. Mm-mm. Why not? I think I would do a totally different path. Um, because I think what I'm discovering now in my later, in my in my older age now is that... Um, no, I don't think... <laughs> is, is that um, I, I am a very creative being, which mm-hmm. I've always known, but I, I didn't... How do I put this? Like, I've always known that I was creative, but I didn't know that that could be a thing. You know what mm. I mean? Like... Growing up, I've, um, I mean, I used to write, you know, short stories and poems and all that stuff, like, mm-hmm. on my own, since I was really little. And then I would always have, like, you know, fashion photography, um, pictures from magazines and stuff, like, all over my bedroom. And mm. I was really into just all these really creative things. But um, I didn't know that that could be your life. Like you a know career. What I mean? Yeah, at yeah. all. And yeah. I think a lot of that is because um, this is part of why I do what I do now. Like, I think a lot of that is because kids are not exposed to it. And up in Fairport, like, you sure. don't know people that are producers and you don't right. know people that are, you know, <clears throat> executive, TV executive. You know, you don't know those people because that's not what people do. Yeah, because where right? are they? Yeah, <laughs> not there. So, um, so, you know, I didn't know that you could have a life as a creative. And so... Um, I think that if I had to do it, I know that if I had to do it again now that, and my parents were more traditional too. So they also encouraged me to be something like a doctor or a lawyer, yeah, you know, something like that. A professional. So, yeah, professional, right? some, you know, stuff that they knew about. And, um, well, it's safe. It's a safe, it's safe. career. Yeah, if you're a lawyer, totally. there's always going to be work. If you're totally. a doctor, there's always going to be work. You're a TV producer, writer, right. uh, fashion designer, actor, it's, right. it's up in the air. You don't know right. when your next job's going right. to be. Right. Totally. Um, but so, I, you know, I think that that's, you know, that's why I went the traditional route. But then now, you know, I'm lucky enough to be living more of a creative life and, mm-hmm. and helping to encourage other people to do it um, if they want to do it. Because, uh, you know, it, that's who I really am. 
you know? So I think I'm, I'm lucky. I, I know I'm lucky to be able to be sort of totally switching my, you know, direction yeah. in life at this point. Well, so, how long so. did you practice law for? God, like, people are going to figure out how old I am. I, uh, <laughs> I, was, I practiced law for a good 10, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Did you work for like a firm or? I got out of law school and I well and then and of course this is what happens right I go to law school to be a sort of like fight the power sure. fix the world lawyer and I get out and I have all this debt so I of course go to the first big huge white shoe law firm <laughs> who offers me a job right and um, gotta then pay I'm, down that you, debt somehow you literally have to sign your life away when you go to one of those places and you know you're young so I think it's okay that's when you should do it if you're gonna do that but right, yeah. but but literally like you know working like 90 hours a week mm-hmm. and not you know <clears throat> was a good experience at least I mean you know what it was a good experience in that you definitely learn um excellence like there's a reason mm-hmm. why those firms are the best because everything is so perfect like everything is done so well it's gotta be airtight right airtight and there's a beauty to that like I really because then I went from I went from that to working for the city and I was Mm. a lawyer um, doing child uh, child abuse and neglect cases and it was night and day it was I couldn't believe like I would see some motions or you know documents that were going to be filed with court with all of these mistakes or just you know like poorly written or whatever and I was like Horrified. I couldn't believe huh. we were going to file this, you know, because I just came from big white yeah. law firm where if you, the I wasn't dotted, like, you know, you're fired. Like, so there definitely was, um, I think that's the biggest thing I took away from, from working in a big firm like mm-hmm. that. Um, but so did you tighten up that system while you were there? <sighs> you feel like that you made a system, dent over there? That system needs so much help. It's not even... I can't even imagine like how rough that that job working for the city must have been. Was I it mean, like a what, what was that like? Such a broken system. Yeah, I was working in the family court in Brooklyn, and um, <clears throat> it's it's such a broken system, and it's you know you're you want to help people, but you just are this cog in a wheel. Like you're mm. just like I'm not really helping people. You know, there was I I mean I can remember. There were, like, maybe two cases where I felt like I, I actually helped people. And, you know, you have a huge caseload. Out of, You're like, totally how many cases did you? Hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds, hundreds, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a mess. So two out of hundreds, you felt like that's that's how many you helped? Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's a pretty broke system if you... It's a very broken system, yeah. Hmm. What's, like, the most common type of case that you would see over there? Um... Well, because it's child abuse and neglect, mm-hmm. so it was uh, a lot of times um, just moms who were using drugs. Mm. Um, that's considered neglect. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's also such an, um, an, an unequal system. Like it's not um, applied the same amongst sure. different groups. I think I had um, one white respondent the entire time I was there. Mm. All the other respondents were black women. Poor, usually poor black or Latino women, mostly right. black women. Um, and, uh, you know, it just, yeah, that was so, God, that was messed up. <laughs> so is that when you decided you were out? It was like that job was so soul-sucking soul that you were like, I can't do this anymore? Or what was the... Uh... Well, after that I went back to law, but I did it on sort of more of like a consulting basis. Okay. So I had more freedom. It was, um, 
I would be <clears throat> hired to work specific projects in litigation for mm. major firms. So there's always like um, an end to it. You know, I could see that there was an end in sight. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if I needed to, I could take a couple weeks off in between, that type of thing. But I did that up until I had my kids. Okay. And then um, and then when I was lucky enough to stay home with my kids for three years, mm-hmm. and then um, when I went back, I initially went back to this consulting type of project work. And, um, you know, my kids were born in 2007, so there was, like, the whole recession and crash and all that uh, stuff. Yeah, so I kind of yeah. went back, and I was like, well, first of all, the, it's not even lucrative anymore to do this, like, you know. And also, a lot of those projects, even though they had a time frame, you still had to work a ton of hours. So sure. I no longer wanted to do that, and um, that's when I switched into full-time nonprofit work. Okay, so you got your kids. <laughs> <laughs> I got my kids. Actually, did, actually did, it, was a, it was a very hard, hard-won battle to have my kids. It took me six years to have my kids, mm. and um, a lot of... Uh, a lot of heartache and you know stuff like that so that was a long haul six years you said yeah that's that a long a really time long haul yeah. yeah yeah um we you know thank god for modern medicine we did like ivf and all that in the end yeah and, um <clears throat> which is like emotionally and financially draining to say sure. the least um but you know i won the ivf jackpot boy girl twins that's what everybody wants right um but is it that's what everybody says everybody says that oh my god i always wanted boy girl twins like, you don't even know what you're talking about right now but, okay but yeah no why, why do people blessed. say that very blessed. i don't know like so many people say that it's not even funny is it just or so they can they knock it out specify, too old? yeah i guess if they don't specify boy girl twins they'll say twins oh i wanted twins like, what do you, huh. you don't even know what you're saying right now. Like, why? You yeah, know? why? <laughs> I don't know. But I can't tell you how many times people said I'm that. I'm not saying me. that's crazy. I'm just saying that's no, like a weird thing to yeah, be like, I have, want twins. Yeah, once you have twins, you, I, I found a couple of things. One is that so many people say that it's crazy. And then also the other is that so many people, it feels like so many people are a twin that you had no idea were twins. That's like, true, yeah. That's pretty interesting. I was yeah. just at the workshop and I found out one of the mentors is a twin and then one of the people teaching is a twin. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and so twins when, everywhere. when you have twins, then everybody, well, now there's twins everywhere because everybody does IVF, so. Mm. Is that, I guess that's pretty common then with IVF, you get twins. It's pretty, com- it's pretty common, yeah. 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 I just, that just seems so specific <laughs> to me. What? The boy-girl that twins? That I want boy-girl twins. <laughs> it is pretty specific. But, you know, people are funny. People, I think a lot of times human, like human beings just say stuff to say stuff, like without thinking about it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Well, how'd you meet your husband? Oh, that's an interesting story. Oh, well, I'm here for an interesting story. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, I guess it's semi-interesting. Don't try to qualify (laughs) it and play it down. Okay. Um... So, uh, I was at the time working at the White Shoe Law Firm. Uh-huh. And so... Your usually, first job. Yeah. Usually would be working like a million hours. Mm-hmm. But this one day, I had jury duty. And <laughs> I was let out, um, <clears throat> like, at a normal time. Uh-huh. And instead of being a really good associate like others and going back to the office, I was like, I'm just not going to tell anyone. I'm going out tonight. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Good for you. Uh, I know, right? This is why you know I wasn't meant to be a lawyer. Um, <laughs> You're so wild taking your one night to go to the bar. <laughs> Breaking all the rules. 
So I went out with some girlfriends, and we were at this place in the city. And um, my husband, his story, he says, is that he was getting, he was finishing up his second master's degree, and he, um, so he wasn't planning at all on going out. But he had a friend sort of like, whirlwind in in and out of town so he was gonna see him that night Mm -hmm. um so he ended up coming in to the same place and my girlfriends and i were having dinner (laughs) i can't believe i'm sharing this for the world um, (laughs) (laughs) actually whatever i don't care Uh, and so he and his friend were at the bar Mm -hmm. and he of course my husband remembers the story a little bit differently but so he kind of had kept he was kept looking over at me uh-huh. and um, <laughs> and so I don't know back then I, usually when that would happen like the man would come over and talk to me right but he wasn't doing that he just kind of kept looking at me like a creep like no <laughs> no, no not a creep not a creep not I'm a creep. kidding <laughs> I'm joking no more of like he's the, looking you know, at you like, lovingly no like afar. she's hot I know she's hot and she's but he wasn't like following through with it so <laughs> <laughs> he's giving you the eye. But he's like exactly. too nervous. No, he's not a nervous guy. What, he will tell what, you. What, what, this is what he'll what is tell it you. That kept him from do, talking so, to you. So anyway, so let me say. So we're ordering. My <clears> girlfriends <throat> and I are ordering dinner with the waiter, and and I say, send that guy over there a drink from me. Whoa. <laughs> and um, the, another girl at the table says, and send his friend a drink from me. <laughs> <laughs> and his friend was really cute. Too. <clears throat> so you know, they get, the bartender gives them the drinks, and they look at us and like sort of nod, like thank you. And then um, <clears throat> I was at a table with probably, like, five women. And uh, <laughs> um, they, so that he and his friend came over, finally, to talk to us. Uh-huh. And, um, but, of course, he, like, went to some other woman. And his other friend, like, went to the prettiest girl at the table. Like, you know. So it took him a little while to come around. Uh-huh. He was trying, trying to be cool. Gotta make, yeah, got to play it cool. cool. Got to play it cool. And, um, and what he will tell you is that the bartender didn't really specify, like, you know, this drink was from her. Or oh, that sure. Drink was from her. But um, he says he was looking at me because he thought he knew me. <laughs> You will love that I'm sharing this with everyone. But and he'll say, "No, I did. I really thought I recognized you." <laughs> and, uh, but so then. Well, if you thought I knew, I didn't. Why not come over and say know, hi? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. See, Likely Mike? story. See, uh-huh. <laughs> See, I should. I could have been a lawyer. This is airtight. Your case is full of holes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Maybe you should think about it. No, <laughs> no I don't think. Don't. Don't. I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's never too late for anything, but no, I don't recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so then the rest is history. But mm-hmm. that was crazy. Neither one of us ever expected to like end up being married. Did the other I two mean, end up getting married? No, oh god, no. no. <laughs> and that would have been crazy pants if they did. But um, no, no. So that was crazy. We dated for five years before we got married, though. Oh, yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> is it? Why? Yeah, I think that's sweet. Why? I don't know. You didn't like rush in. It was like we're getting married tomorrow. It wasn't like I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's sweet. I've never heard anyone have that reaction to Why? What, what do people usually say? Wow, really? Five years? I don't know. <laughs> Why? Why? What's wrong with five years? I mean, I think it's fine. Like, now, I think it's fine. You know, like... <laughs> now, you think at the time, you were like, what's happening? <clears throat> but at the time, you know, I was like... Chomping at the bit, as they say. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Were you like, "Where's the ring?" Yeah, after after like a four years, yeah, I was like, "Dude, what's going on here?" So that fifth year, you were like, "What the hell?" We we yeah, around that time, <clears throat> it was like, I mean, look. Did he feel I, the pressure? Was he? He like, definitely felt the pressure. 
Um, and, uh, you know, he made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that's recorded forever. <laughs> he knows he made the right choice. Um, but, yeah. yeah. I think he made the right choice. Good for you. <laughs> Good job, Jamal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, so... You guys have been married for a while now. Did he go to Korea with you in 04? He did. How was that? He did. He did. Um, He will tell you that... uh, (laughs) I'm assuming that's his first trip to Korea. Yes. (laughs) Um, He was actually... Anyone who knows me today will not believe this. But when I was in Korea in 2004, um, I didn't really go out. I didn't really hang out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People would be very surprised to know that. No, I believe because if you win as a married couple, like, why, why would you go out every night? And go no, and it wasn't that though. It <clears throat> was that um, I was so I was doing the conference the first week, and I mm-hmm. knew I was going to be meeting my birth family the next week. Okay, and I didn't even tell my birth family I was there that first week because I didn't want them to like just show up. Mm. Um, and so I just was having very intense sort of <clears throat> stuff going on with that. So I didn't feel like going out. I didn't feel like hanging out. Mm-hmm. But he's very unhappy that he didn't get to hang out in Korea. <laughs> he wanted and to go out and do like Norebang. He wanted to hang out. And I, I was like, so, um, yeah, he'll tell you that now too. But, um, but, you know, I mean, it was great. It was interesting. I mean, he's tall and, you know, he's good looking and he's black. And so everyone thought he was famous. <laughs> like this happens, <laughs> this happens around the world. But especially in Korea, they were like, they all thought he was famous. So, yeah? Yeah. That's awesome. It's pretty funny. Did a bunch of people try to take pictures with him and stuff? Um, No, actually, that didn't happen. But, like, for example, this was hilarious. He was working out at the hotel gym, and Uh he had, like, a football jersey on, right? Uh Uh-huh. Now, what's funny about this is the jersey he had on, I can't remember who it was, but it was a football player who's really short and sort of, like, very, like, stocky Stocky. and, like, whatever. And um, this this man came up to him and said, oh, Mr. whatever the name on the back of the jersey was. It's so nice to meet you. Can I, you know? And he was like, "No, dude, wrong, wrong guy." Oh <laughs> so, no, that's pretty funny. But we have experiences like that. I mean, like uh, that kind of stuff happens with him all the time. When you go to these, that when is you hilarious. go, to, especially when you go to these sort of like nicer, quote unquote, luxury type places. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I think there's this like you know, thing like, well, what else could he be? But a you know, basketball star or former football star, you know. So he's literally been asked, like, what? So are you a basketball player or something? And, like, you know, it's pretty Meanwhile, he's, like, honestly, an academic pretty, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, the smartest person you've ever met. Not that, <laughs> not that athletes are not smart, but, um, but yeah. That's but many of them are not working a, on their topic. PhD yeah. with two masters. <laughs> what are his masters yeah. in? Um, one is in uh, education administration and the other is in urban policy and management something like that those are very different something like that what did he want to get his phd yeah and his undergrad is in um history so wow um well the history and the education thing makes sense yeah those go together um i don't know i don't know what he wanted i don't know i was so like please don't go to school and get a phd please start working (laughs) he could be getting a job up at fordham (laughs) no i think he's much happier doing what he does now what does he do now he's uh he has his own consulting business oh yeah his main primary focuses education stuff so, okay yeah so is he consult who's he consult for the city education no um well for different cities like he did a big oh, project really? with the city of chicago last year those are big um, that's a big city yeah, big that was a big project yeah that he did, yeah um, but sometimes it's also for specific schools mm-hmm. um or for 
uh, he has such a range of clients, you know, people who are interested in potentially starting schools or huh. um, investors in schools, like charter schools are a big thing right now, sort of yeah, yeah. in many different ways, but across the country. So yeah. he has expertise in that. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to speak for him. Sure. Um, but we talk about that stuff a lot just as parents. and just Yeah, as, what's it like know, raising and, the kids um, right now? Uh, my kids are very fortunate to go to a private school in the city. And so um, it's interesting because... You know, with Jamal being such a this education guy, and uh-huh. whatever, that's a question he gets a lot. Like, well, yeah. why are you sending your kids to a private school, right? No, no. But um, you know, New York City is a whole different animal when it comes to the education system. Sure, yeah. And um, so we just, you know, it's just the route that we ended up taking. Mm-hmm. But um, and we're just very fortunate that they can be there. But um, <clears throat> but you know, raising kids, especially biracial kids, um is um in new york city Mm -hmm. is is it's challenging it's really challenging i think having a family in the city um it's it's also i think the only place i would want to raise them Mm -hmm. i think um, you don't want to go back up by rochester (laughs) hell no I said that with a smile on my face. That, that's true. Um, <laughs> I think my my family like really doesn't like when I disparage where I came from. But I mean, no parents want to hear that, why. right? But it's like, like yeah, they know why. Sure. But they also and even like now, it was funny because for a long time I tried to hide from like people I went to high school with on Facebook and stuff. I do the same and, um, thing. But then like once one person discovers you, you it's know, hard. And, like you can't hide anymore. Yeah. So, um, I. I leave them in the queue, though. <laughs> I don't approve or deny them. They're just sitting smart. there. That's kind of smart. I feel bad. I don't want to, like, deny them, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to be friends with We're not, like, because we're not real friends. Right, right, it's like, right. I knew you 15, 20 years ago. Right, like, right. We're not friends. Right, right. We don't hang out. Yeah. But you know what? I kind of had to get to this point with Facebook. I used to be more um, uh, thoughtful about, like, who I friended and who I didn't. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that's like, you know what, I really put a lot of my own like writing stuff and my, you know, my series and stuff like that's more of like a PR type of thing now than anything mm-hmm. else. So now, you know, when people that I don't know friend me, especially if they're a Korean adoptee or related to that world, then I'm totally all good with it. Or if they're mm. related to some other part of my world, like my life, like if they're creative in the, you know, whatever, like if, sure. if it makes sense that they've asked to friend me, then I'm all good with that. But <laughs> You know, like, but if you're like a 60-year-old German guy, then no, I'm not going to friend you, right? <laughs> <laughs> so at a certain point when I decided to kind of be more Well, that guy didn't it, go to then, high school with you. No, not at all. <laughs> Dude, I'm like, seriously, where did these, like, literally, like, old white men from, like, you know, Germany and, like, Australia, like, what? You know, obviously, I know why they're trying to friend, but still. <laughs> where do you even, like, do you just, like, look up Asian chicks That's on true. Facebook? That's true, like, where do they and, find... Like, you know what I mean? It's just... I don't know. I don't know. But um, so those people I will not friend. But other than that, like I'll basically friend. You're fairly open. Almost anybody, you know. If if then someone posts something that I find completely offensive, then you know I'll block them. But uh-huh. for the most part, so sure. my high school friends, some of them have found me, and uh, it's interesting because you know I do. I say very openly and quite often that I hated growing up in Fairport, right? And uh, but it's interesting the reaction I've gotten from a lot of the people I went to high school with because. Um, 
a lot of them are like, oh my God, it's so interesting for me to read this stuff because I had no idea you were like this, you know, or felt like this or had this experience because I was like, I was class president. I was really well known. I was friends with all different types of people. Like I was always the person who was friends with the druggies, the jocks, the theater people, the everybody, the geeks. Uh Like I was always friends with all of them. And um, so that people will say like, oh my God, I would have never guessed that you were experiencing Mm. this. You were always so nice and you're always so happy and you're always, you know, all this stuff. They had no idea. So it's interesting, actually, to to uh, get that reaction from them. Yeah. You know? So that's been well, interesting. Well, that is it. Well, and obviously you didn't share any of that with them. But, like, I mean, why would you either? Right? Right. If right. you were, like, because what kind of feelings do you write about online that they're reacting that way? Well, you know, I'm always, you know, the common thing, I think, <clears throat> for many adoptees who grew up in white worlds is that you want to be that. You want to be that. You want to have blonde hair and blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And you want to, you know... And I talk, you know, I write openly about how I hated myself and, um, you know, but at the same time, I'm trying to fit in and do as much as I can to be well liked. Um, sure. So people don't know that, you know. Um, well, I think a lot of that stems from also, it sounds like the way you were raised and that it was like, you need to assimilate, you, you need to assimilate. So what else would you want but to be those people that you grew up around right. who didn't have to do that kind of right. stuff? Right. Yeah, Totally. I think that's uh, pretty common for adoptees who were brought up in white worlds. Yes. I Yeah, definitely. And it's uh, been a running theme for this show, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, especially if you grew up in an environment, A, that was predominantly white, and B, you didn't have experiences like a mentorship program mm-hmm. or a camp to go mm-hmm. to or any place where you had an outlet uh, either for your culture or for people of the same ethnicity or mm-hmm. heritage as you. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And even like, I, you know, I grew up... Uh, in a fairly white area, but it was also diverse. You know, there were more than a handful of black kids and me there. And I went to camp every year, whole camp every year. But it was still like, oh, yeah, I had those same feelings where it was like, I look in the mirror and I was like, what? I don't look like Tom Cruise? Like, why not? <laughs> you know, where did you grow up? In Hillsborough, New Jersey. Hillsborough, New Jersey. Okay. It's in central Jersey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, you know, very suburban. Mm-hmm. It used to actually all be farmland before they mm-hmm. suburbanized it. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, it was crazy. It was just like, yeah, mostly, I think like 90% white. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that has shrunk now since then. Yeah. Uh, and it's a lot of people who are moving from North Jersey up here by the city, coming from like Jersey City, Hoboken, mm-hmm. areas that, you know, now those areas are up and coming, but then it was like, you didn't want to live in like Union City or Hoboken. Right. Like right. Frank Sinatra was never like, yeah, I'm from Hoboken. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. But now it's like, Hoboken, yeah, and it's so easy to get in. Like, all mm-hmm. the Wall Street guys, like, just take the train in from Hoboken, take the path, because it goes right to WTC. So it, Meanwhile, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get to the AKA Gala in Hoboken, isn't it, in Hoboken? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're... I'm not doing the bus. Mike. You're not doing the bus? <laughs> I'm going to help run the bus. Come on. <laughs> take the bus. Anyone who knows me knows I will not take the bus. <laughs> It's not like I'll a public bus. bus. No, it's I'll, a private chartered bus. I know. I'll take the bus back to the after party, but I'm not taking the bus to <laughs> Well, I, okay. Well, uh, we're, I think the, the path does go from K-Town. So you can take the path straight to Hoboken if you don't want to take the bus. <laughs> like us plebes. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. We got to take the bus. Some of <laughs> no, us. it's great. I'm glad that you guys organized a bus. Us bridge and tunnel. Smart. I didn't organize anything. I got told you're going to be on bus duty. <laughs> I got voluntold. Well, good for you. Good. And I'm well, like, I'm sure, told. I'll take the bus. I it's free transportation. Told. I'll take right. it. 
You can take the path. I think they they accept the Metro card, so you'll be good. Uh, yeah, I know. To me, I, I totally admit I'm one of these people who I'm like... Um, <laughs> Are you anti-bridge and tunnel? I'm totally. Meanwhile, I'm in Brooklyn, I know. Meanwhile, you live but, right by the bridge. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> New Jersey to me is a foreign country. Like, no! I, I'm like, yes. I totally think New Jersey, the northeast part of Jersey that borders New York <laughs> is more of a borough than Staten Island is, in my mind. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, neither one of them, really. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, harsh no jeez so mean it's a psychological hurdle like I know Hoboken is not that far at all but to me anything in Jersey is like well I think Hoboken is about as far from Manhattan as you are from right here all right Mike I know but Bed-Stuy I mean Bed-Stuy come on no that's why I got out of Bed-Stuy it was too far (laughs) it was way too far screw you Uber and your surge pricing that's right (laughs) and before Uber there was nothing find a taxi cab on a rainy day before Uber. That wanted to go to Bed-Stuy, no. It was a nightmare. Nobody wanted to These go. Before the green cabs and everything? Oh, thank God for the green cab. If you're out in Bed-Stuy, like, the green cab saves your life. Absolutely. <laughs> That's true. God, I don't, I don't, you didn't have a car when you were out there, did you? Not then, no. How did you get around? How did you live? <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful, I'm telling you. That's why I got out. All right, well... We're going to go back because we're getting way off yeah, track sorry. now. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're totally rambling. I was just we thinking, are this is rambling. the rambler, right? We, we are, are so rambling. Way rambling. We're totally rambling. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> People should know if they want to move to Brooklyn, <laughs> on Front Street is the area. Don't go all the way out to Bed-Stuy. <laughs> You're going to be in the middle of nowhere. No, many people love Bed-Stuy and many people are very happy in Bed-Stuy. It just was not for me. <laughs> Did it get hipstery over there That's yet? my politician answer. It's going that way. Yeah. Getting all gentrified and everything? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, okay, so now you're very heavily involved with Korean American Story. Yes. How very, did you get involved with very that? Very true. Um, so I initially wrote um, something for them. What did you write? And this piece was about my kids were turning three, mm-hmm. and I came here when I was three. So I was having some really serious, intense, intense emotions about that because I just mm-hmm. could not and still cannot imagine putting my three-year-old child on this plane by herself to go to, to some another country. completely foreign country, you know, with strangers. And I just, it literally was like, I mean, I couldn't think about it without getting really like... Emotional. You know, very emotional, but just like, uh, I mean, it's hard to explain, like, if you're not a parent, to just the feeling like that that was evoking in me. Mm-hmm. And just also then, you know, how that made me think about me as that three-year-old child. Sure. And um, so I wrote a piece about that, and H. J. Lee, the founder, really liked it a lot. And um, <clears throat> after that, we talked about me writing more for them. That's how my column, Heart and Soul, got started. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I joined the board, and then from that, I became the chair of the board a year ago. Um, but, you know, I have to say, I say this a lot, and it's very true. Uh, one of the reasons why I love Korean American stories so much, beside just the important work that I think we do... Um, by really creating a history, like we're really creating a historical record for future generations. Everything we create is archived at the University of Southern California in their Korean Heritage Library, which who knew they even had that until they asked if they could archive everything that we're creating. Um, you know, but how cool is that? Like everything we yeah, create super is awesome. archived there. So someday when someone researches something <clears> about <throat> the first two generations of Korean Americans, you know, they'll see that there was this vast like diaspora of people mm-hmm. in this community. Um, 
But for me personally, I, you know, felt with Korean American Story, it was the first time I really felt like wholly embraced by a Korean organization Hmm. um, that, you know, because as an adoptee, if I would go to other things, I would feel other. I would feel sort of like not really fully a part of it. I don't speak the language. I don't know all the traditions. I don't know whatever, you know. And I think that, um, so I got sometimes the feeling, you know, from the other people in the groups, but also just internally I would feel, you know, just not totally welcomed or comfortable there. And, um, you know, I love any and all work that I do with anything adoption related, but Mm -hmm. this was a non-adoption related, you know, Korean organization that just fully embraced me. Like you're one of us, you're totally one of us. Yeah. And that was the first time I really had that experience. And, um, that's, you know, why I love it. I, I think that we, we fully appreciate like the entire community that makes up the Korean American community. So mixed race, gay and lesbian, like, you know, adoptees, everybody. Mm-hmm. You're yeah, us. that's awesome. You are one of us. Yeah. So that's why I really love it. And you're the host of Not Your Average. I'm the host of Not Your Average. Where you do amazing interviews yourself. <laughs> Actually, it's funny for awesome me being the interviewee. Like, I, I keep wanting to ask you questions. Ask I'm me so, questions. I'm so used this to This is being, a conversation. I'm so used to being the interviewer. Um, you can ask me questions. It's fine. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, Not Your Average is um, a web series that I created um, and produced for Korean American Story, which has been so great. You know, I... Um, started it with the thought process with a couple of thought processes one was you know we wanted to draw in a younger audience to korean american story Mm -hmm. and it's really helped to do that um and the other is that as i was saying before in my new like this iteration of my life like i'm really embracing being a creative person but also since i am a little bit older than you know the younger generations that are trying to do this like i want to support them i want to give them the support that i wish i had had because I think if I had had it, I would have been creative then, and it wouldn't have taken mm. me so long to get to this point now, right? So I do, in my life, I do so many things to help younger creatives um, because of that, because I want to give them that support. But I also, I'm also friends with a lot of these these people, and, um, you know, I get as much from them, mm-hmm. I think, as I give to them, because they inspire me so much it's like crazy I'm so I'm so impressed with them because I look at like all these younger creatives and I think first of all how passionate they are Mm -hmm. and how unafraid they are yeah to to live this creative life you know it's like um when when I was growing up I I wouldn't have even known where to go with it like how you know and I would have never had the confidence to do it so they totally inspire me they're totally creative they're like smart they're good people and you know so I get as much from them as they get from me definitely but so with Not Your Average you know the whole point is to basically interview people who are doing non-traditional professions like you know no doctors no lawyers and no engineers will be seen on the program. (laughs) What if they're a creative Um, doctor? (laughs) Well if they then do something else then maybe but uh, (laughs) like actually I'm going to be interviewing um, Huni Kim soon who's one of our honorees at the uh, at the gala Uh for Korean American Story and you know he's a, a Michelin star chef and uh, but he originally started going to medical school. Wow. So yeah, so if you kind of started that path, so he did like a different path, just like you did. (laughs) But um, but yeah, but the show is to support younger creatives and Korean Americans that are doing just cool things, you know, yeah. that are not the traditional professional We've thing. definitely had awesome guests on that show. It's been so fun. It's great. I, I love, love watching it. it. I love it. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. I'm so glad. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Who else you got lined up for that? I have so many people lined up. It's like not even funny. That's um, good. Keep busy. I, yeah, and I have a good wish list too. But it just, um, yeah. If only I had more time. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, I mean, like, well, how much free time do you even have? Like, being a mother, <laughs> being on the Korean American Storyboard, yeah. like all that stuff. I mean, like, yeah. your schedule just must look insane. Um, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I actually, you know, it's funny, all the Korean-American stuff that I do, Korean-American story stuff that I do, people think, like, that's all I do if mm-hmm. they don't really know me better, but um, that's actually not true. I have two other companies that I've started myself, and um, those are really supposed to be my primary What are those? <laughs> so... See, I don't know. <laughs> I know, I know. So one of them is called, they're both um, nonprofits, and one uh-huh. is called the Phenomenal Girls Club, okay. um, PGC for short. And it's a club that I started for with my daughter, who's seven. Well, she, when we started, she was seven. She's eight now. Um, for black and brown girls. Mm-hmm. And it's like a sort of leadership, friendship type of club. Um, and it really started out of just a need. You know, like my husband and I were having a conversation, as we do often, about how our kids were doing in this very um, privileged, predominantly white school. And it's very progressive, but it still has that you know sure. element to it. Yeah. And, um we kind of focused in on my daughter that night and we realized that she kind of needed like a re-upping of her uh, foundation of black and brown girlfriends. Because when I was home, it was like, that's all, all of our friends were black and brown friends, basically. Mm. And, um, but then like everybody went to different private schools and like once you're in a different school, it's, it's, it's hard sure, to keep yeah. that up. Um, so I looked online for clubs for girls that were like seven and there was nothing. There was stuff for when they were really young and then there's uh-huh. stuff like around sixth grade starts, but really nothing in that age group. Huh. So I was like, oh man, I guess I'm starting a club. <laughs> it was like, I remember it so clearly because I was like, oh, it's like the last thing I, I need to do. It was like a, like midnight on a Sunday. And I was like, I guess I'm starting a club. So I emailed like 12 friends, you know, people or people that I knew with daughters and said, hey, would you be interested in this? Every single person was like, oh my God, I've been wanting something like this for, you know. Yeah, well, you're filling a need. Yeah. So that like took off and um is doing really well and and so like a year later i turned it into a real nonprofit because at first i was just doing it myself sure yeah and um, people were like you need to create a real nonprofit so that you can stop shelling out the money yourself (laughs) and also you know so Uh i did that and that's in the process of you know i'm waiting for the tax exemption and stuff but it was incorporated last august nice um, congratulations thank you yeah that's good um, but that is actually my secondary. <laughs> what um, is your primary um, <clears throat> focus? In fact, I'm going to be looking for a program coordinator for PGC very soon because um, it takes up too much of my time. Uh, my primary <clears throat> is focus, it the Phenomenal Boys Club? No, but I've been <laughs> that has been requested so many times, Mike. You don't even know. Oh well, yeah, of course. Why not? Why wouldn't there the be? The problem is that I need a time. father. <laughs> no, I need a father who will lead that. Because I will start it and I'll create it, but mm-hmm. I really think it's important to have, you know, like all of the guests that I have for PGC are women of color. Mm-hmm. So for PGB, I would need, you know, a man to, to lead it. What's so your husband I need doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. He doesn't sound busy at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but no, that I'm sure will happen in the future. Okay. Um, so what's the primary? The primary thing is this organization that I called, <laughs> that I call, <laughs> everyone's like, Dear God, Julie, the name is too long. Dream maker, dream doer, dream supporter. 3D for short. Um, 3D is a good name. Yeah, 3D, 3D is much easier. 
And it's basically a... <clears throat> or three dream. Three dream. dream. Oh. I call it Dream Maker for short, but Three Dream, that's interesting, Mike. Yeah. Okay. Nice. <laughs> um, that's what I'm here for. Right? You can send a check <laughs> no, in. <I> cool. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I never thought of that. Okay. Um, it's basically, it's hard to explain, but it's basically everything I was talking about, like supporting younger creatives, but not specifically younger. So I, it's, it's an organization to provide resources, connection, um, and inspiration basically for people who want to live creative lives but it's also a production company mm. so um it's uh very in the new stages i mean it was incorporated um in the fall but it's it's um that's very new yeah it's very new it's very new um and so it uh in fact this is sort of like my first public speaking about it oh uh, yes <laughs> so breaking yes, news you get, you get an exclusive here <laughs> um but uh it's uh but it's exciting. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, there's a couple of things that I'm working on, but that are pretty long, long term. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, but they're, you know, they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, so, fingers crossed. So, who's the target for this? The target is really anyone who wants to live a creative life, but the, I, you know, kind of started it with sort of like an intergenerational type of mindset. So, mm. you know, just in my own life, I'm usually helping younger people. Um, but it's for anyone who wants the resources and the information and the connection and the whatever. But then the, um, you know, the production side of it will be whatever the, depends on what the thing is that's being produced, that'll, you know, dictate who the audience is or who the target market is. Cool. If that makes any sense. It I know does. I talk kind of very like esoterically about it, but. No, no, that's what the show is about. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but, you know, it's really sort of my, it's, it's interesting how it, it took a while for it to all kind of come about, but it's really sort of my culmination of just like who I am and what I love to do, really. So, That's awesome. Yeah, so. And I'm sure it, it helps that you have this law background so you, you can make all the paperwork airtight. You know what the <laughs> problem is about that, Mike? Is what? That well, you already have a lawyer on one staff of the now. reasons so. why I'm no longer practicing law because I'm, I'm the type of, I'm the type of person who wishes things like non-disclosure agreements were not necessary. Right. Mm. I'm the type of per- like, there's this thing that I'm working on. Right. And I, I have asked people to sign NDAs first, but when they're like, ah, I can't open it or whatever. I'm like, Oh, okay, fine. Like, I don't really care. It's the other business people behind me that are like, you have to have people sign that shit. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't that's like I just want I, I want us to be able to like have word be bomb still like I want us still to be a society doesn't like exist that. anymore I know but like I, we're in the world of open secrets now uh, come on but like it's because of lawyers that we have this litigious society and I hate it yeah. I hate it like I want you to tell me something and just keep your promise and that's how I want, no. that's how I will be to you, and that's how I want other people to be to me. Word is no so, longer bond in the society we I live know, in. But you know that. It's, it's, I know. And I'm not naive, but I know that that's true, but I also, like... You yeah, have hope? I, I just, in, I try in my own world to um, surround myself with good people and to, you know, create good karma for myself, so... Sure. But at the same time, then I have, you know, the business guys being like, dude, you got to make them sign this, you know? I'm <laughs> like, hey, do you want to be a part of this? It would be really cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. All right, great. You know, and they're like, well, did you get them to sign something? And I'm like, oh. No. So. <laughs> they were playing the CYA game. 
Well, that's all any of that stuff is. Sure, yeah. Of course. <laughs> this is a total ramble. Do you think... <laughs> <laughs> do you think... Uh, do you think CYA is like a white thing? This is no, why I asked. I don't think, I don't think so. I, I, I was dealing with it's, some... It's for anybody in power. No, I know, but I mean like the usage of it. Because this is why I ask you. Uh, I don't know. I was having a exchange with someone who I was helping on something. <laughs> <laughs> That's super be, specific. Yeah, is it because you signed be. an NDA or do you have a word is bond degree? Like, yeah, yeah, something like that. But so, you know, I put something that was sort of legalese-ish uh-huh. in like an email. <clears throat> but it wasn't like a real contract or anything. It was just, you know, so that person sort of quoted it and was sort of like, oh, ha ha. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, you know, that's just me CYAing. Mm-hmm. And this person was also Asian. Um, but, Didn't know what CYA but Asian, was? Asian, like, you know, like not adopted. Like first gen? Not like, no, not, not <laughs> second gen, but not like adopted or not. Didn't grow up in a white society. Okay. Say, like we did. She grew so, up in Flushing. The, yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. the person said, what's CYA? Get out of here. And I was like, cover your ass. Do you not know what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person was like, no. I was like, maybe it's a white thing. Do you no. think it's a white thing? Unless I've grown up in such a white society that... Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, is it that we're so used oh, to... Oh, no. <laughs> now you're blowing my mind. Let's take a mind. Take a Rambler poll. I'll put it CYA. on Twitter yeah. for all my 100 followers. <laughs> Listen right in to the Rambler ADHD. <laughs> and let us know. <laughs> Do we'll you read use it the term on the CYA? Air. Do you know what it is? Yeah. No, I thought that was interesting. <clears throat> I thought Maybe, that was totally uh, interesting. I mean, do Asians not have that? <laughs> This is like, oh, is your when you see blue, is it the same blue that I see? <laughs> what if what you see is blue, I, I see is red. I just was totally shocked, right? CYA. I thought everybody knew what CYA was. I thought so. But yeah. I thought so. Anyway, that was a total ramble. Hmm. <laughs> you can cut all of that out. <laughs> no, that's staying in. This is important <laughs> for the poll. CYA. <laughs> Do you know it? Do you use it? Oh, for sure I use it. Yeah. I mean, I thought everybody used it. I mean, I don't use it like, I'm not a big CYA guy, and it annoys me to hell when people, like, you, they make you Do fill you out forms or NDAs or yeah, all that stuff, yeah. and it's just like, what the hell is this for except to cover your ass? Because of my lawyer people. Lawyers. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, where can people find you and your work online? Um, they can find me on Twitter. On uh, at Big Girl Voice, B I G G I R L V O I C E, and uh, where else would they find me? <laughs> and it sounds like you can get Facebook friended very easily. <laughs> I can get Facebook friended pretty easily. Much easier than uh, to be my Facebook friend. <laughs> you're going to be in limbo forever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm also on Instagram, but it is a private account. Oh, well so that, you can request me, but I mean, I'm very happy I got accepted then. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, at the same name, too, Big Girl Voice. And you can find your writing's work and uh, Korean, Not Your Average? Yes, KoreanAmericanStory.org. Um, the column is called Heart and Soul, S-E-O-U-L. And the series is called Not Your Average, which can also be found on YouTube. Excellent. Yeah, so. And uh, what about uh, PGC? If you can join us, wait, come stuff. to our Korean American Story Gala. Yes, promo this, sure. On uh, May 3rd. 2016, Tribeca 360. I'm excited. I'm registered. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm so excited. I just got my suits tailored. <laughs> oh, yeah. My Rachel Park ties in the mail. Oh, my God. I'm still working on the AKA gala. Like, I'm I don't gonna be know all what dressed to wear up. to that. 
I have to deal with that. You don't have like and a standby gala dress? <laughs> but then everybody sees it all the time because I'm always going to gala. It's like gala season. <laughs> it is gala I, season. Uh, well, Kendra yeah. just had theirs. Yeah, did, did you go? go to that one? No. I didn't go to that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I know people who went. I, I heard it was very nice. It, it looked nice. Yeah, it I looked like it was a success. Was it? Okay. Sure. It, I, it looked like a big... I mean, it was like, you know, Hollywood's coming in. Hollywood came to town for Ooh. two seconds. Well, like, you know, Jenna Ushkowitz yeah, and Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah, but she started it, though. Yeah, I know. Well, okay. Kristen Chenoweth didn't start it. No, who's Kristen Chenoweth? She's a, a Broadway star. She was in Wicked. She was in the original cast of Wicked. I think okay. she was on a couple episodes of Glee, probably. Okay. She does a lot of Broadway stuff. Okay. <laughs> she was in, I feel like she was in a, a TV show, one of those law shows. The name is so familiar, but I'm so bad with names Maybe it was like... I think it was like West Wing or something. I don't remember. Yeah. She's a very high-pitched voice. Uh, blonde. Cute blonde girl. Uh, that's like <laughs> all of Hollywood. You just named all uh, of Hollywood. All right. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Yeah. We're, we're continuing to ramble now. But yes, Kindred. <laughs> yeah, they had their gala. Yeah, I think it's gala season. It's April. totally gala season. I didn't realize until this month that there was uh, a gala season. Like, see, literally. it's because you have to get to a certain age. <laughs> it's definitely like a, a time in your life where now you're in the, the gala season world. Yeah, well, a certain totally. age and in a certain position. Apparently. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you know, I, I would never be think that I'd be <laughs> like, oh, I have, look at my calendar. I have two galas to go to this month. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Who does that? <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people actually. I guess we do. <laughs> so you don't have a dress you're ready to wear to wow um, everybody in? AKA gala, I think I'm set. But uh, and actually, all right, I will confess it's going to be a repeater. <laughs> I've worn it to a gala before. I'm going to call you out when I see you. Oh God! I'm not going to call you. out. <laughs> Is your husband coming? Uh, no. No, just you. No, my I don't subject my husband to most of the <laughs> most of the stuff I, I do. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Sometimes people are like, um, yeah, you talk about this husband, but I think he's really, it's like a mythical husband. I feel like there are a lot of <laughs> spouses like that. But you know what, Mike? And this <clears throat> could be another whole episode. <laughs> you want that? We could do a part marriage, two if you marriage want. Marriage and, uh, you know, like, we're actually at this age, unfortunately, where a lot of people are starting to get separated or divorced and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my husband and I talk about it. It's like... You gotta do your own thing. Like you can't, you know. Sure. You cannot con- constantly be attached at the You're hip. You're gonna be tied at the hip. Or yeah. you can't want to be attached at the hip. Mm. You know, because sometimes like one person will want to be attached at the hip, and the other person sure. will want to be. And but it's like you gotta, you gotta do your own thing. Mm-hmm. So. I know. I just started. Uh, I had to cut off the tie. It was very difficult. I was like, it was only two nights a week. I'm like, I need to start doing something around town, like to meet other friends. Because I don't live near work and, mm-hmm. you know, we're a half hour away from the city. I'm not going to come to the city every night. Yeah. So I'm like, I need to find something to do in town. So I started taking jujitsu. Oh, nice. Because there was a Groupon. Nice. <laughs> Gotta love Groupon. Yeah. And I was like, I just need to meet like other dudes, like other people. Yeah, definitely. And I need to be active. I can't watch Netflix every yeah. night. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that's it's true. it's hard, though, if you're, like, used to being a homebody with your spouse, like, yeah. all the time yeah, yeah, yeah. to, like, cut that cord. It is hard. Sorry, Anne. And for some people, it works. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Anna's okay with it. <laughs> I'm sure. She's, she's pushing me out the door, like, get the hell out of the house. <laughs> she is. Well, no, that's good. It's, it's healthy. It's good to step, it's out healthy. Of your, step out of your comfort zone. Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So if you're married or thinking about it, 
Get out of your comfort zone. Keep your own life. Even if you're not married, get out of your comfort zone. If you're a lawyer, be creative. (laughs) Go out and follow your creative pursuits. That's definitely true. Gotta step out of your comfort zone. Otherwise, you live with regrets. Totally. Yep. Absolutely. Nobody wants that. No. (laughs) Life's too short. That is for sure. That is absolutely true. I agree with that 100%. Totally. Sometimes it takes a near-death experience to get that out of people, I feel like. Or even just, like, witnessing one. Like, yeah. 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 I agree. Definitely. All right. Do you feel good about this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was, um, yeah. I mean, I feel good about it if you feel good about it. How do you feel? I feel great about it. I feel like we rambled a lot. We did ramble a lot. <laughs> it's called The Rambler. That's a perfect title. I It took me a long time to figure that out. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, I hope I made some sort of coherent sense. I, I think you did. Okay. I think you're an inspirational figure to strong women everywhere. That is so crazy when people say that shit. Why? But thank you. No, I, I think it's true. Because, you know, you see a need and you take care of it, whether it's your own need being like, I need to get out of this and do something creative with my life, mm-hmm. or being like, I need to do something for my kids and provide a space for them. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you just see opportunities and you make the best of it, I think. Yeah. It's awesome. I try. A lot of people don't have that kind of clarity and vision. I, I don't know if it's clarity and vision, though. It's like sometimes just being, I don't know, like just doing something like I, but that is the craziest thing. I, I was the angry Asian reader of the week with, uh, I saw that. Congratulations. Thank you. With angry Asian men. <laughs> something and, I aspire um, to. I don't think I'm angry enough. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm not angry at all. I, I just, um, was lucky enough to meet Phil cause I interviewed him for um, yes, you a did. series. I yeah. think it's going to be published this week, hopefully. But, uh, you know, and people responded with like, wow, you're so inspiring. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> it's weird. It's, it's just weird to hear that, but. But thank you. Yeah. Accept the compliment, Julie. Uh, that's, you know what? Accept yeah. it. Okay. Because it's true. That. Otherwise, not everybody would be saying it. I was brought up Catholic. I think there's this, like, thing about that. Oh, we should have right? a whole episode yeah. about that. <laughs> but now you see the Buddhas all over my apartment, so. I, I, <laughs> no so longer. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not Catholic either anymore. I'm not really, I don't think I would, I would assign myself to any one religion. Yeah. But I think if there was going to be anything, it would yeah. be closest to, like, Buddhism. Well, that's exactly how I am. I don't say I'm a Buddhist, but I lean heavily towards it, but I'm not religious. Well, I think what it comes down to is I have a great... I've done a lot of Buddhist temple stays when I lived in Korea. Like, I love the lifestyle. I read a lot of it and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, but I just don't have the discipline to actually do it. That's exactly what I say all the time. That's why I don't say I'm a Buddhist, because people are always like, well, are you Buddhist? I'm like, no, because what it takes to actually be a Buddhist is very hard. It's difficult. So, no, I'm not. It's too hard for me. Yeah. Dude, I... (laughs) I love it. Yes. Nice. That was a high five. We just bonded. <laughs> <laughs> we just had a moment. Yeah. We just had a moment. We can talk nice. more about this Let's over dinner. Let's go have some soju. Yeah. Let's have some soju. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> All right. That was an awesome time, an awesome interview with Julie Young of KoreanAmericanStory.org and all the amazing different projects that she's got going. A very busy woman, very busy, strong, amazing, creative woman. So happy that she's out there doing good in the world. You can check out KoreanAmericanStory.org for all of her work and uh, find her on the line. And, uh, you know, maybe she'll allow you into her life and her Facebook if you're, if you're friends with her. If you're not, then, you know, just follow her and, at Big Girl Voice. 
Uh, I'd also like to thank Amy Ginther for uh, her information on her workshop that she's doing. You can find more information about that on her website, vocalcontext.wordpress.com. And of course, you can follow her on Twitter as well, at Vocal Context. Listen, come out next week to the also known as 20th anniversary. If you haven't registered, go to alsoknownas.org. You can find more information there. I'm hoping, I'm hoping uh, that by the time that you listen to this, registration will not have closed and you will have a chance to do all that. If not, uh, Saturday, if you're in the New York area, is still open at the Kimmel Center at NYU, uh, where they're having their New York City Asian American Student Conference checkpoints, where I will be speaking from 1140 to 1240 on a panel featuring many accomplished people called Adapted Spaces, how transnational adoptees are making their place in the Asian American narrative. So definitely check that out. Music today is provided by The Bell at Needle Drop Records and a collective effort. You can always email me at therambleradhd at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at therambleradhd. Visit my Facebook page at facebook.com slash therambleradhd. You can check out my podcast on SoundCloud. It's available on Podbean. It's available on iTunes. If you like the show, please leave a nice uh, review. Give it a little star rating on whatever podcast app that you listen to and help spread the word. Help spread the word to your family and your friends and anybody who might be interested in hearing adoptive voices. Hashtag adoptive voices. That's what I'm starting to hashtag all my tweets with. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying. If you want more information about where I'm going to be or the workshops that I'm promoting or uh, stuff like that, you can visit my Facebook page. I've decided to use the events page to kind of copy and paste all the uh, things that are going on, the goings-ons. Uh, in the adoptee community that may or may not apply to you. I don't know, but you can check it out. I'm not the one hosting the events usually, but uh, that's a good place where, you know, you can find that information as well so that you have all the latest. All right. All right. I'm doing it for you. All right. Listen, you guys have an excellent week and join me next week with my guest, Omyo Kim, who will also be promoting the workshop with Amy Ginther. Until then, have a great week. Have a great week. Do something great with your your life. It's springtime now, officially, I think. Go for a run or something. Yeah. See ya.